All right, so we're back again at the Sweet Builder House in Kyoto, Japan. I'm here today with Rushi.、Uh, we just met this morning, so I'm、yep. excited to learn more about what you're doing. But before that, I've been the first few chats I have, I haven't pronounced people's last names correctly. So can you please tell me your last name? It's Manche, Rushi Manche. Manche. Yeah. Okay, Rushi Manche.、Okay. Yep. Cool. So before we dive into. Movement Labs and what you guys are doing there.、Yep. Uh, can you tell us a bit about your background and how you got into crypto, the journey that led you to this room today? For sure. Yeah. So, CTO. So, my background is in engineering. I started off in traditional tech. So, I was an engineer within United Health Group. So, I was doing systems, database security. So, it was always security was always like paramount to me. Then, I pivoted into like, the Ethereum DeFi space, was DeFi engineer within the space. Was very bullish on Cosmos. I pivoted in there, and particularly did DeFi engineering there, and then went to the Aptos ecosystem. And that's when I stumbled across Move, and I was like, "Holy cool! This like this language is really really cool." Yeah. In terms of security, because I was in Solidity, spending years in Solidity, and it was always like any moment someone could kind of get in the system and do what the DAO attack was and take、yeah. away like twenty million dollars worth of your、yeah. protocol. All I hear、um, on Ethereum, I hear a very popular term called reentrancy attack. Reentrancy attack. Yes. <laughs>、yeah. That is probably.、Like, It's the Achilles heel of Ethereum, I would say. It's still something that like has not been really fixed on a large scale. Like, there's a few solutions that kind of put a bandit on it, and like only like, the real elite engineers really know how to use it. And it's why we see some like last year you saw three billion dollars lost in smart contract hacks、mm-hmm. in the industry. That's what one trillion total. That's a good sizable amount that's getting hacked. And yeah, if we ever are going to believe in this mass adoption thesis.、Yeah. You can't have that happening. Visa's not having their like payments hacked. Mastercard's、right. not having payments hacked.、Yeah. Well, and I would say it's not really about the percentage, you know, because that three billion is like liquid crypto, but the whole market cap is just price times、yeah. whatever. So you know, the percentage certainly is bad, but the absolute value of it is like an、bad. even bigger、yeah. concern. You know, billions of dollars are are being taken, and it's、day. mostly due to that one attack, which is pretty. Is that attack and bridging attacks? Those are the two main. Tech. So I've spent my last few years of my life like kind of revolving on security. Like, what is security? And in blockchain space, where where everything's about money. Every, like I'm sending money to you. My games are money. My applications are money. My social life is money.、So、everything's about money, and it's we can't have a system where it's like broken. Yeah.、Uh, so back when you were doing the database security stuff, is what kind of went went into that? Like it's just I'm I'm curious because I work at a Cloud company, yeah.、Um, so, just interested to hear a bit about. Yeah, so I was on a team tasked with char- migrating to cloud. So the company was an old-fashioned kind of on-prem database. So、mm-hmm. it was data was stored in centers. So I was facilitating the communication, trying to get AWS, which even though it's been out for years, a lot of these companies are still migrating, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. So I was an engineer within the process and involved in like how are we going to get resources away from this. On-premise re- resource database to a cloud service. Okay,、um, so I was primarily involved in that. Cool. All right, let's let's leave the Web two space <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and let's、uh, let's get into Web three now. So you mentioned working a bit in Solidity and kind of not being too happy about that. We kind of talked about the reentrancy attacks. Is there anything else about Solidity that you see as downsides? Because you know, so many people are introduced to that as. The first language, and sometimes it's even pitched as you know, kind of the only option if、yep. you 
want to do serious smart contract work. So I think Solidity is a great first stepping stone, but it's not the most beginner friendly. To get to secure landscape, you need to be a very skilled engineer. I think if we kind of look at move and compare Solidity, the big theme is formal verification. The concept of formal verification is developers can choose who has access to a module or a smart contract, when they've accessed it and why they've accessed. And that's built in and baked into the language. Whereas Solidity, you need to A, use third-party tools, or you need to kind of spend like a while to develop their formal verification. And even then, it's pretty easy to get around it. We saw that in the DAO attack and pretty much every attack. So I think that for the concept of formal verification is built into modules. Mm-hmm. And then even going for, further than that, a common attack being a exploded engineer is like looking at integer overflows, exploiting those, looking at byte transformations and transform, like kind of getting into that system. With Move, you have built-in bytecode interpreters and memory safety procedures. So before a transaction executed, it's checked from resource type and memory safety. Yeah. So those integer overflows aren't possible. Yeah. And then we get the performance aspect, right? Like Move parallel processing completely blows out Solidity. And if we're ever going to get to the Visa market, I being Visa like 60,000 TPS, something like that, yeah. um, we have to be able to hit those high performance levels. Right. Yeah, so for the the people listening who might not be as technical, when we're saying stuff like integer overflows, uh, that's kind of like a class of, I guess, errors that might put the virtual machine you know, in a in a state which can be exploited. Is, yep. is, is that kind of what you're speaking about there? Yeah, so typically like an integer will have a 256 bits. Yeah. Um, so... If it overflows by the suit 257, a hacker can be like, oh, this is a way for me to manipulate a smart contract. Mm. So I think in traditional finance or like traditional tech, that doesn't really matter because A, let's say, for example, it's an app. Like if an integer overflows, it'll just say, oh, it's error message. No big deal. Yeah. You go back to the, and restart the process and you can fix the bug. Right. If that happens in crypto, you just lost a billion dollars. Yeah, there's no rollback. <laughs> there's right? no rollback. Yeah. I'm sending a transaction money to you. If a contract wasn't able to handle that integer overflow, if I sent like, say so for example, a game was designed to build only handle like sense of ten, like you can only the max is hundred dollars that you can send, or hundred, let's say like X currency, and I send two hundred or I send a thousand, which is should byte. Now you just broke the smart contract, but you can't roll it back right, because yeah. it still goes to the same procedures. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sending the thousand currencies to you. The computer doesn't know how to handle that. Right. So if I'm an attacker or a hacker, I'm like, okay, whenever it sends a thousand, send that to me. So what am I going to do at that point? I'm going to send a million. I'm going to send 10 million. Yeah. I'm going to send a billion. Right. And the system has no way to handle that. Mm-hmm. I go straight to my wallet. I exit it. Transfer USDC. I'm Anon. I go home and buy a house in Bali. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah, so, so what, what we're getting to is that the move language, uh, which sort of in some ways inherits stuff from Rust, which yep. is you know currently a very popular uh, language that's gaining traction, you know, there's a big focus on safety. Yep. And basically, is it right to say that those kinds of integer overflows can't happen or they might happen less? So in Move, it can't happen because it comp- is a built-in bytecode compiler that yeah. checks for it. In traditional Rust, it can happen pretty easily. It still happens. Like Solana still has some issues. Mm-hmm. Cosm Watson, which is another iteration of Rust, is, does a lot better job at that. But it doesn't have the same security components as built into Move. Mm-hmm. I would say the only kind of analogy would be Cairo, which is a Starkware language. But even then, Move kind of blows out Cairo, even like Cairo 1, which is a further iteration of Cairo, in terms of security practices. Okay, sweet, sweet. All right, let's dive a bit into Movement Labs. Yeah. What is it? I think you just give context. So me and my co-founder are both builders in Apple's ecosystem. 
we were, like he built the first yield dagger in Aptos, audited and shipped it to mainnet. And I was a contributing engineer to one of the first DEXs in the protocols space. And I think we both like really believe the move language and still believe in it in terms of A, having security and performance that if we ever get to the point where Web3 is being adopted, it has to be in a language like move. It may be iteration of move. Yeah. But something that's secure that banks can trust and something that's fast that I can send money to like as fast as Venmo, right? So that's the first thing. What, what language do banks use nowadays for their infrastructure? It'll be like C++, uh-huh. but obviously the banks say like, like if I send money to you, a wire to take five to seven days to process. Right. So speed's not a process, like yeah. warrant to them. Right. Okay. And they also have the ability to safeguard, like there, there'll be like, Olden days, obviously, you had someone manually checking those wire transfers, right. and now there's like decades of yeah, like yeah. bank infrastructure that's closed source, not really open source. Like HSBC has their own like verifying software versus like Chase or Wells Fargo, and then like if you want to connect your phone or credit card, you use like Plaid, which yeah. has its own software. Gross. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of very closed off. And like, yeah. if I want to launch my own ba- bank, I have to spend a lot of money. If I want to my own payment app, I have to use Plaid, or I'm screwed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the state of banks right now. And crypto is obviously, we're open source, we want to democratize it, everyone should be able to build and send money. Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's get back to yep. Movement Labs. Yep. Um, so you you founded it with your co-founder who was building stuff on Aptos. Uh, so what's kind of the premise of it? Yeah, so we built a move, but we didn't like that it was locked up into two, it's kind of two factions, even like the founders agree where it's like, you're not really building a move, you're building an app to us, you're building a suite. Different styles of move, different communities. Sometimes there's conflict in who's uninviting each other from different events. And we really want to democratize it. We want to bring move to everyone, no matter what ecosystem we're on. And it's a larger theme of this uh, DSL, which is domain-specific language. So we see move as great use cases, and we want to bring it to ecosystems where there is liquidity, where there's ample volume. So the thesis behind Movement Labs is we're building a modular framework to be a unified execution layer in that you can deploy move-based smart contracts to Avalanche, Cosmos, Optimism, different ecosystems, and really unify all of them through one centralized execution layer. Kind of what my biggest struggles was as a Web3 developer is each chain has their own SDK, each chain has their own CLI, each chain has their own documentation. It's closed off and there's like, like Solana beefs with Swiss, we beefs with Aptos, Aptos beefs with Optimism. And we want to say, hey, Move is the great, we believe it's a great unifier. We believe it's the best language. Why don't we build an SDK and ability to launch on different systems? Mm-hmm. So our first product at M- uh, Movement Labs is M1. It's a modular one that's built on Avalanche consensus. Avalanche has the fastest finality in the market and has great bridging protocols. So let's say, for example, your yield aggregate in Aptos SV, right now there's not a yield aggregate. It takes some time for it to build up. That same yield aggregate can launch on top of M1 and natively tap into large liquidity sources via the bridging protocols called Avalanche Word Messaging. Then when we go cross-chain and the ability to really bring rollups on different systems, A, we can extend the Avalanche reach and bring Average consensus to different ecosystems, but as well as launch the move virtual machine um, to different ecosystems that really need it. Okay, so if there was a developer out there that's looking to launch something on your M1, by the way, is M1 trademarked by Apple? <laughs> uh, it's M1 chip, so it's okay. not. It's not. Yeah. Okay, just wanna... What would be the process, you know, to start to build something like? Uh, I guess, like, what do they have to do? You know? Yeah. So. We're 100% compatible with any Aptos Suite contract. So right now, if you're a move builder, you choose Aptos versus Suite. Right with us, you can launch on Aptos and Suite. So if you're Aptos DeFi protocol or Suite DeFi protocol, you can deploy your smart contracts in M1, and you can tap into Avalanche's consensus and liquidity and user base. So 
kind of the next steps here is we have our test set going live next month. We have a raise announcement coming up next month and our developer documentation is being released. So we'll have a movement SDK, kind of like how you deploy on Sui, right? You have a SDK, you have a CLI, and you deploy Sui move smart contracts. That's exactly how it works for us. You deploy your same, exact same Sui move contracts to different RPC endpoint. So it takes about 15 to 10 to 15 minutes, and now you can access the new chain. So yeah. it's very easy to pour over your code. Okay. Does, so does M1 have its own uh, set of validators as well? So the benefit yeah. is we actually inherit the security of Avalanche. Okay. The minimum stake for AppTest, I believe, is 2 million APT. Sui's 10 million. Yeah, it's very um, expensive. Which is very, very expensive. Yeah. Avalanche is one of the most decentralized networks. Million, minimum stake is like 2,000. We're actually being lower than that. So anyone can really become a validator. We like anyone in the community. And the kind of the validator says here, so the current Avalanche validators are going to be staking for M1, you stake AVAX, and you still stake our native token as well, um, which is MVMT. Okay, so let, let me see if I get this right. So one of the reasons why I really like the Avalanche network is they're one of the few networks that support native um, USDC. Yep. Okay, so to me, that's like a really big deal as someone who's trying to build like legit stuff. Yep. Because Circle actually has really good stuff. Like their, um, yeah, their whole... Bridging between you know traditional payments yep. and USDC is like really top notch. Yep. So like we're trying to build something that's supposed to go mainstream. We're not going to use some like random stable coin. Like it, it can be something very established. I don't even know what that would be now. But, like something like Dai, you know. Yeah. It's very it's very established, but it's not USDC. Right. Yeah. It's not something that you can say like, all right, let me offer bank transfers to to my customer. Or like a debit card thing, handle that through Circle, and then it settles on my side as yep. native crypto. Like that flow is very important. So if someone were to deploy, if if someone were to deploy like a Sui Move contract onto M1, yep, they could conduct business in Avalanche USDC. Is that so? As of right now, it'll be wrapped USDC, but it's. We talked with close to Circle team. It's much easier for them to integrate USDC to, for us because it's already integrated. And we're actually working with CCTP as well. So when they extend support to Avalanche submits as well, we get day zero integration. Yeah. So the timeline for something like USDC or something like these stable coins to come in mm-hmm. is much quicker because 90% of tech stacks the same. Consensus is yeah. the same. It's building up for subnets and Avalanche is working closely with Circle. Mm-hmm. They're actually the only protocol, I believe, on CCTP besides Ethereum. Mm-hmm. So the support over subnets is coming, which means that we'll get them to as well. Yeah, and for those who don't know the the CCTP thing that you mentioned, is is that the cross-chain circle yeah. protocol thing? Yep, cross-chain transfer protocol. Okay, cool. So in terms of being able to deploy SWE move contracts onto M1, are yep. there any like differences between executing that contract on M1 versus executing it on SWE itself? So the actual execution is the same smart contract that deploys. Mm-hmm. The only difference would be the different endpoint they're pointing to. Okay. So when you have RPC endpoint, typically you like you sell in like a settings file or something. So that's the only thing that changes really. Okay. Yeah. So there's there's nothing like oh you can use all the features of Sui except XYZ. Yep. yep. So the like difference that. with Sui is like Sui is a DAG consensus. So the consensus model is different. We have the traditional like consensus with instant finality. Mm-hmm. And our last test ran 145,000 TPS. We're currently live on Aptos Move. That's the first iteration of the test that's coming out next month. And then we have Sweet Move coming out in two months or so. Sweet. Wow, that all of that sounds sounds really great. So where can people 
you know, like find out more about you and maybe you can talk a bit about like, actually, we were talking a bit about earlier and you were mentioning you guys will have some kind of grant programs and stuff like that. So what's the, you know, bootstrapping strategy for, for the network? Yeah, so our thesis is to be very community driven. Our tokenomics, we have 60% going to community. So A, we'll be doing a lot of grant incentives. So giving our token allocations as well as giving us small grants, like cash grants. We just closed around. It's a pre-seed round, so the cash grants will be going like pretty limited after a seed round ecosystem fund. We are rolling out this touchpoint program, which is essentially we connect builders to ecosystem investors that invest in us, average themselves, a few different partners that really back us, designers, developers, etc. So it's kind of an ecosystem approach where you can join it if you have a great idea. You can really get connected to the network and we connect you to VCs that support our mission and thesis, and they're happy to help you out. Even if it's not investments, like connecting to people who know actually can be useful. And as for like where you can get started, technically we're in stealth and this is kind of the unstealthing process. So next month we'll have like the website up, the logo's up, but you can find our Twitter at MVMT underscore labs. There's no posts, but you'll see that some alpha is dropping. Soon. So what you're saying, this podcast is dropping alpha. It is dropping alpha. <laughs> it is dropping alpha. All right, cool. Uh, so uh, it was great to talk to you. Um, yep. You know, we just met this morning and I'm very excited about what you're doing. Appreciate your time, man. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.